0: Good evening and thanks for pulling in. It's time to gear shift into cruise mode and enjoy the K-Turn podcast. I do apologize for the delay in the episodes. I know you all have been eager for my second episode. Um, I will relay with you all. I was very sick for a point in time but I'm back and better than ever and I'm so excited to kickstart things with you all. So today's episode is about love languages and toxic traits. Now, one thing I realized about the Gen Z generation is that, you know, we're very wrapped up in this idea of love and what is it and how do we approach it? Because if you think about it, you know, everyone's kind of have their own definitions of that. But I really want to tap into love languages and really knowing about yourself before you experience that. So let's start off with love languages on a positive note. So one might ask, what is a love language? Well, Gary Chapman was actually the creator of love languages, and he describes it as this. It outlines the five general ways that romantic partners express and experience love, which are called love languages. Now, if you are not familiar with the five different ones, they consist of words of affirmation, acts of service, receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. Now we all have our own version of what it is and what it means, but I'll go off of Chapman, um, the person who created the theory essentially and the explanation of it. So the first one that I mentioned was words of affirmation. So what is that? Words of affirmations don't always speak louder than words, but if that's your love language, it's more like compliments, Hearing words like, I love you, you need to hear those important words um, that sends, you know, your spirit through the sky. Those are the things that kind of, you know, they can leave you shattered, something that's not easily forgotten, something that's encouraging or, you know, breathes life back into you. Acts of service is more so, you know, doing the little things, whether it's vacuuming the floor or anything to, you know, not burden any responsibilities that you have. Um, It's kind of like, for example, it's been a rough day and your partner's like, hey, let me clean up the dishes for you. You know, you just cooked dinner for me. Let me help take a little bit off your plate. The next one is receiving gifts. Now, receiving gifts is when... It's not more so like materialism. It's more so of the effort behind the gift when your partner is away from you on a trip and they bring you back something or, you know, they bring you flowers to, you know, show a gesture of their appreciation to see that they see you and that they were thinking of you and, you know, you're known for, let's say, for example, they missed your birthday and, you know, they make it up to you the day after. The next one is quality time. Now, quality time is more is not just like the "I loves you," but it's more so the undivided attention, the amount of time the effort put in. let's say, for example, you and your partner are talking, and you know they're not on their phone, they turn off the t v they make sure that they're in tune with the conversations um you know they really don't allow distractions to weigh in, and then the last one is physical touch now physical touch is not about being very touchy it could be a hug pat on the back holding hands um, showing concern and care you know maybe um, your significant other leaning on your shoulder or you kind guys kind of cuddling now why do i want to talk about love languages now we all have different love languages And, you know, we all take these different quizzes trying to explain what our love languages are and what they say about us. Um, So, basically, from the little bit of research that I did do before this podcast, um, you know, I've always asked myself, you know, what do my love languages mean about me? And, you know, how can I use them? So, you know, your love language is usually what you lacked through most throughout your life. Now, don't take my words literally, but it may not be just from parents or friends, but it may be the very thing that you learn, you yearn for in your partner. It's kind of like, don't we all want what we've never had? So for example, let's say, for example, um, I grew up in a very loving household and, you know, my my mother was very affectionate, but my father was not. So, you know, my... Well, I'll get into my love languages, but you know, one of my love languages is quality time. I care about spending time with that person, them being present and not always distracted. Um, My mom is a school teacher, actually, and a lot of times she would be busy after work and she's like, I got to do this, this, this. So I would have like certain times in the day where attention was paid to me, not saying that my mom did not pay me attention, but you know, she had to carve out time in her busy schedule to kind of give me that. So, you know, I was seeking attention. But yeah, stuff like that. But um, I'll get into more so of a little bit of that. And sometimes we get traumatized by our love languages so often. Therefore, we develop coping mechanisms around them as well. For example, a lot of people think, you know, oh, is my love language like my toxic trait? But you know what? Every love language contains a toxic trait within it and it's inevitable Um, it's really just your internal system telling you that stuff that you're not giving yourself or that someone is not giving you so maybe I'm not giving myself quality time I can I can attest to that I am the busiest person in the world that's part of the reason why I got sick I was not taking care of my body and my body was like Kristen you need to slow down and really focus on you so you know me taking a month to get better. That was me spending quality time and making sure that I was okay with my body. And you really have to listen to yourself. And your love languages are really the gateway of, you know, you showing you what you need. Now, if you haven't taken the test already, um, you can access the test. Um, Let me just pull up the link for you all. I don't want (laughs) to give you the wrong information. But um, you can actually access this love language quiz um, on, let me see, sorry on fivelovelanguages.com and then you can kind of see what your love language is. So based upon the quiz it kind of does questions like oh you feel more important when your partner goes away and brings a gift to you or your partner uh, doing something for you when they know that you've been stressed out and you know there's kind of no middle ground you pick one or the other I did not agree with all the options and some options I just picked because neither of them applied to me. But on a scale of 100, my highest love language was quality time at 32%. Physical touch was at 29. Acts of service was at 26. Words of affirmation were at 10% and receiving gifts was at 3. Now, An interesting thing that a friend said to me was the love languages that you seek are what you need and the ones that are low is what you give to other people more so. So for example, I'm not good at receiving gifts but I love gift giving. I'm not really a person of words of affirmation but I always affirm to other people. Now I'm not saying that applies for everyone because it's again... This is on a case-by-case basis. Everything is personal. The same way that we can say, you know, all of this applies. But, you know, I'm I'm so bad with receiving gifts. I'm not a person that, you know, is like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I'm so grateful when people do give me gifts. But I'm the gift giver. I am the spoiler. I'm not really good when it comes to receiving gifts because of a toxic trait I was taught. You know, oh, people give me gifts when, you know they're sorry or they've done something wrong. This is their way of trying to make up for it. So, you know, a lot, sometimes your low levels of love languages are the very toxic things that you have experienced. Now, words of affirmation, how that applies for me toxically, um, very simple as this. Um, A lot of people, I have a really, really big heart. And if, you know, for those listeners who do know me personally, you know I go above and beyond for others. And one thing that I struggle with the most is that, you know, I will go all for other people and they will tell me, you know, oh, I promise to do this. Oh, I'll be there for you. And I don't get the same in return. Now, I'm not talking about everyone, but it happens more often than usual unconsciously. But, you know, when you have a big heart and you give so much, a lot of people forget to kind of give it back to you. So I know that those two things I struggle with. But, yeah, your love languages reveal something about you. Again, don't read too deep into it, but it's something good to know about yourself going forward forward with relationships, you know, it can help us understand ourselves and our partners better. Um, They can also, you know, help with what we need when we're getting into relationships. It can even not just be limited to relationships, but also friendships, you know, uh, relationships with your parents. You know, these are all, these are all different things that you basically need to know um, how to give and receive love. And this is just a good way to know yourself. Um, so again, I'm going to do a few more examples of each I kind of want to touch upon in some situations. So I want to go back to words of affirmation. So, you know, I want you guys to ask yourself, you know, how do you feel when you hear like your partner or friend or someone saying something positive or affirming you or compliments? Just take a minute to think about that. All right. So for me, oh my goodness, I'm so bad with compliments. I hate when people compliment me. <laughs> I always think someone wants something and I'm like, why are they complimenting me? Or I don't believe the compliment. Like it's weird hearing positive words to me. Like I explained before, you know, oh my gosh, good job, Kristen. Like you did so well. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm just doing my job. You know, that's what I need to do. So think about that. My second question for acts of service now, you know, how do you feel when your partner or friend helps you um, reduce the burdens of tasks to ease your stress? Do you find that comforting? Are you more so like, no, I can do it on my own? I'll take you, give you a second to think about that. For me, I definitely depends on the situation. When it comes to cleaning my room, do not help me. <laughs> I can do it myself. I know where everything is. But let's say, for example, I'm washing dishes and it's been like 30 minutes. OK, you can help me at least dry the dishes, you know. Um. So next, receiving gifts, you know, ask yourself, Um. you know, when you're how do you feel when you get, you know, gifts, whether they're extravagant thoughtful, the I'm sorry's or, you know, the makeup gifts, you know, how do you feel about that? So for me, it's hard to receive gifts. Um, As I said, I'm a huge helper and a giver. I don't always receive it back in return, but I'm a very modest and humble person. So, you know, when someone's like, oh, let me get this for you. I'm like, no, it's okay. You know, I was just helping you out. You don't need to get me anything. Because a lot of times in my past, you know, people would get me things and say, you know, well, I did this, this, that for you. Well, I I gave you that. Like, you know, you're being ungrateful. And, you know, it would never, not that I'm comparing it, but do you ever feel sometimes like sometimes you go above and beyond for people and they do the bare minimum or not even a fraction of and, you know, they look at you like, oh, you should be grateful you know, I get that a lot sometimes. I will go above and beyond for people and I ask for one small thing and it's a big, big deal. So, you know, I'm not really one to receive gifts or awards like that is very hard for me because I'm kind of just like, OK, well, what do you want in return? Like there's something always tethered to it. So the next area, quality time, you know, do you feel like you give your partner or your friends or your significant other, excuse me, your undivided attention Do you engage in meaningful conversations? Are you present in the moment? Give yourself some time to think about it. So one thing that I always do when I'm hanging out with friends, whether my significant other or, you know, when I'm having a conversation with people, I hate when they're on their phones. (laughs) Now, you know, sometimes I unconsciously do it as well. Um, Like I said, I'm very involved in the college that I go to and people are blowing up my phone 25-8. I have to start putting it on do not disturb after a certain hour because I will not be able to sit down and have conversations and be present with my friends if I don't put it down. But you know, it's making sure that you're present, that you're there listening to your partner because even the smallest things can let them know that you're there for them eye contact is a big thing for me I hate when people don't look at me while I'm talking to them like that is one of my biggest pet peeves I'm like you know I'm taking the time to disconnect from everything I'm asking for the same now I get it if they have something important you know you need to check your phone cool not a problem but you know sometimes it's important to be present in the moment because that lets the person feel more comforted and know that you're here and that you know I'm understanding you I see you I hear you it's like that it's basically the words of affirmation but physically it's kind of you know reiterating it you know whether it's touching of the arm or you know just letting them know that you know I am here I am listening to you now speaking of touching of the arm we're going to touch on the last one physical touch so you know I know everyone is not affectionate, but how do you feel when your partner does show affection through touch? Take a second to think about that. Now, I have a friend that does not like physical touch at all. Like she's not with the cuddling, the PDA, you know, she does not like to be touched. <laughs> now I do have my moments where I'm like, "Uh, eh, don't touch me. Like I don't want no one to touch me, but oh, physical touch, I'm a hugger. I love hugs. That is the way I greet people. But you know, one question I always ask people before I hug them, I'm like, are you a hugger? And even people that are not huggers will give me hugs because oddly enough, I've been told, you know, oh my gosh, you're a great hugger. I could just feel the light. Not that I'm bragging or anything, but you know, like, you can feel it through people. Even though someone may not be receiving of it, you may give them that good grace of kind of just, you know, that breath of fresh air, kind of like, hmm, I feel safe, I feel comforted. But not everyone is like that. And you know, it's not limited to that, whether it's affectionate, such as like kissing, holding hands, it could be as simple as, you know, sitting close to each other or the both of you um, sitting in a room together and you're both off doing your own thing. Like, for example, um, I used to do this thing with my group of friends where we'd all hang out what we called the duty box because they were uh, RAs at my college. And we would all just sit there. Music would be playing. We're all doing our homework. And, you know, it was just that the physical touch of, you know, sitting close to each other or, you know, I would lay um, my back pressed against my best friend and, you know, she would be doing her thing and I'd be doing my thing. And it's just like, hmm, I know that she's here. I can feel her. I feel comforted. So, you know, physical touch is not just like, oh, my gosh, I'm basically climbing you like a tree and I want to live in your skin, you know. It's also, you know, kind of like, you know, just being present in the same space, breathing the same air. I know that sounds crazy, but it's it's all of those things. So, again, how do we use these love languages in our relationship, you know, these are things that help build healthy relationships, healthy friendships, uh, lifelong, you know, work relationships, too. Um, these are things that we know that we have to grow stronger in and, you know, what we need and being vocal in that is very important. That way, the other person on the receiving end or, you know, the person that is experiencing this um moment with you can know these things and you know this can avoid conflict now again not everyone's love languages are the same but you also have to be understanding in that regard that we need to have boundaries and we need to show the people that we love and the ways that we want to receive it because this can improve the quality of these relationships that we all build which is very important now we're talking so much about love languages but what about the toxic side of things We all got a little bit of toxicity in us. It's inevitable, you know. (laughs) For me, I couldn't find, like, you know, you know how we have the five love languages? There's not, like, the five toxic traits. So, you know, I was trying to look up and see, like, hmm, like, what are the toxic traits? Like, what are the, you know, what is the theory behind it? And, you know, you can do things like, they're like, oh, uh, there's the red flags, um, there's the, you know, there's, um, you know, the, the signs of a, of a, of an of a no good guy or no good girl, you know, but you know, there's, there's so much stuff. So <sighs> there are 31 toxic personality traits that you can spot within yourself from the research that I found. It's on scienceofpeople.com. Um, if you'd like to check it out, um, I'm not going to, uh read deep into all of them, but I'll just list some of them, and then I will list um the eight toxic um traits that influence um our relationships so so some toxic traits that um that you we should know about is um so here are the thirty one lying, insincerity, playing victim, cheating, not speaking out taking things personally, perfectionism, seeking validation of others, people pleasing, inflexibility, judging others, toxic positivity, jealousy, ignoring self-care, being overly competitive, arrogance, comparing yourself to others. I'm not sure what this is, but it sounds like fubbing. I do pronounce if I'm saying it wrong, but it's mostly like phone snubbing. Um, (laughs) I'll get a little bit more into that, but flubbing is a toxic behavior when you're overwhelmingly perceived as rude and inconsiderate. Um, A sense of entitlement, selfishness, reliving the past, holding on to loss, negative self-talk, attention-seeking, resisting new experiences, manipulation, untrustworthiness, guilt-tripping, Worrying about the future, participating in drama, and holding grudges. Now off the list, I can name a few of my toxic traits and then I'll go into like the eight toxic traits, uh, the eight things that influence our toxic traits. From from this list alone, I definitely, (laughs) I'm definitely good at not speaking out. I should be better at speaking out for myself. I can recognize that. I do tend to take things personally, but, you know, I am also my toughest critic. That's not me defending myself or anything, but, you know, I do take things personally sometimes. Um, seeking validation, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, know my self-worth and, you know, um, I need, you know, constant reassurance sometimes and it's not always verbal. Um, people-pleasing for sure. Uh Sometimes I judge people off of certain experiences that I have with them, Um, comparing myself to others, um, holding on to loss, definitely negative self-talk, and um, holding grudges. So those are those toxic traits that I know that I struggle with. Now, I know I touched upon the eight traits of toxic influences. So um, I kind of went all over the net. And I was trying to find, you know, I was trying to find, oh, my goodness, like, is there, like, a certain guideline or, you know, like, you know, we have five love languages. But there's only, like, the eight influences of toxic traits. And they're pretty much, like, the same. Um, So I took a couple of the toxic trait quizzes. Um, I took one on psychmechanics.com. You can take their uh, eight trait um, quiz and I also went on livingly.com about your toxic trait quiz now based upon um, the quizzes that I took <laughs> these are the different ones that I got but before I go into those let me list the eight traits of toxic influences so from what I read from multiple websites um, I went on the villagefamily.org and as I mentioned um, psychmechanics.com and they were pretty much the same But the eight traits that influence toxicity are, you know, being manipulative. You know, you use the knowledge that you gain to use against someone or kind of to get what you want in a sense. Um, Another one is controlling. Um, You know, making sure that you can restrict people, your friends and family and their resources and access to things. Um, Another one is selfishness or self centered So you make everything about yourself or you only consider yourself and no one else. Um, The next one is being judgmental or judging. Um, You know, everyone can be judging from time to time. But, you know, they see things black and white or they're always criticizing you. Kind of like playing the judge like, oh, well, you did this and that's wrong. Um, Another one is (laughs) argumentative. When someone's always trying to argue with you or, you know, managing their anger, you know, they're kind of just always putting it at you or trying to always start something um being disrespectful you know not setting boundaries um passive aggression um they express or disconnect without having conversation about their problems but kind of just spew them out loud um I also kind of went hand in hand with that um with mean and also arrogance feeling like you're better than everyone or a sense of entitlement um so based upon the quiz that I took on um, the few quizzes that i took i'll listen I'll list my um different ones, so the highest toxic trait that I got was judgmental <laughs> now, if I've had a lot of bad experiences with someone and they're not limited to just like meeting someone off the back, but I can get judgmental, and I'm like, you know well, if they think this way, then you know they have to be this, 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 and I think a lot of that comes from like experiences with my family members too. Um, I think that's where I learned the trait, you know. I've learned all the things that I don't want to be sometimes from my family and my peers, and I'm just like, oh well, she's doing this, 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 like, you know, I don't want to be a part of that, you know. I'm not down with that lifestyle, you know, she's wrong for doing that. I can be judgmental at times, but not in a harsh way, but more so towards like, oh, I wouldn't do that. So, you know, I'm gonna stay away from that kind of thing. Um, from another quiz that I took <laughs> Some of you that might know me might laugh. Um, A drama llama. I think I'm deeper and more unique than most people, but actually I'm high maintenance. Self-awareness is first step. So not more so I'm a drama llama, but I'm a very emotional person. And like I said, I take things personally. And, you know, it's not that I think I'm deeper or unique, but, you know, sometimes I just may have annoying habits, um, you know, I used to do this thing in high school where I would have these long social media posts like for, for, for three minutes long on Snapchat and me ranting or me dancing or doing some funny stuff, you know, kind of just like, you know, getting some attention kind of thing. So, you know, I take things to the next level sometimes. Um, another one that I received is my toxic trick is impatience. I'm very tense and impatient like very impatient. I like to get things done on um, a timely manner. And if it's not on my way, sometimes I kind of get impatient. I'm like that with texting. Oh my goodness. It like texting is my worst trait. I'm so bad at texting. So when someone hasn't texted me for like, you know, it's been three hours and I see them, you know, posting on their social media, I'm just like, oh my goodness, it takes them three minutes to just say they're busy. And here they are posting a 10 second clip the amount of time it took them to do this is when they could have texted me that and I start getting impatient and I'm just like oh my goodness when are they going to respond when they're going to respond I need a response so you know you got to just kind of like set that boundary when you realize your toxic trait it's good to you know call them out And, you know, kind of find ways to subside it because you can't always project them onto other people because, again, they have nothing to do with other people but more so their actions are triggering the toxicity out of you. Or, you know, you get easily triggered by things that may not trigger everyone else. So knowing your toxic traits and knowing how to control them can, you know, dictate your friendships because a lot of times when we project our own toxicity onto other people, it causes them to pull away. And then people will start saying, oh, well, you know, every time you text Kristen, you know, She's going to be mad if you don't get a response, like, in the first 30 seconds. And then you're going to sit there and be like, wow, like, what did you mean by that? But in actuality, you know, I know that. I know I prefer people to respond in a timely manner. But, you know... That's okay, But that's something that I realize that I know I have to work on. And although texting is not my strength, I have to realize Gen Z is very big on texting. And I need to make sure that I'm in tune with myself because our toxic traits will get us angry at other people and mad with ourselves. And then we get in this like unforgivable and kind of like a tunnel vision view of, oh, this, 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 this. I'm not. No, it's my way, my way. And, you know, you got to see the outside of things, because a lot of times when we're stuck in that, we tend not to see things. And the lax toxic trait that I want to talk about that I saw in myself is overextending myself. You know, my to-do list is never ending. Like, it starts to feel like my self-care feels like a chore. I feel guilty sometimes for not living up to certain expectations that people um, put on me. Like, for example, I'm a huge student leader on my campus. And I always feel obligated to show up for every event. Even though I may, my heart may not be in it and I'm tired and, oh, you know, I really want to sit up and do my nails. And then I end up sitting up from <laughs> 8 p.m. until 3 a.m. doing my nails. And I'm not really satisfied with the set and I'm not doing the best, you know, nails that I want. And it's just like, well, at least I got my nails done, like, whatever. So I tend to overextend myself. Um, I'm a multitasker. And, you know, it may seem great on paper. But, you know, it affects my mental health and it affects my relationships because then I never have a set boundary between people saying like, hey, Kristen is overstimulated. She's overworked. I'm going to go hibernate in my dorm room and I'm not coming out until like Sunday and it's Friday. Like I really need to do me. And, you know, I need to be able to balance that. You know, um, Dr. Daryl Appleton said, you know, the wild goose chase leaves us feeling less fulfilled and even more burnt out. You know, so you need to make boundaries between work and home and friends and everything in your life because that's very, very important. And again, I am no expert. This is all based off of research online. Um, As I said, I mentioned all the works and websites where you can access all this information. Again, all this work is not my own. I just wanted to put that out for copyright issues. Um, But again, you know, to know you is to love you, and to love you is to know you. A good friend of mine said, Um, as she was giving a birthday speech to two of our friends so you know to know yourself is to love yourself and to love yourself is to know you and the same goes you know with people to know your partner to know your friends to know your family to know your work friends is to love them and to love them is to know them and it is important that you know you yourself and you know One thing I just wanted to end off really quickly um, because we're running a little over, but, you know, I just wanted to wrap this up, you know. Don't be so focused on people's love languages and their toxic traits, you know. They don't define you. They are just stepping stones to really build who you are. You, you are the person that you want to be. And be the change that you want to see, you know. Speak, speak positivity into your life. Speak good things, you know, the things that you need within your relationships, ask for them, tell them, be vocal, don't be afraid to know what you need for the love that you need. And it's okay, you know, to ask your partner, well, what do I need to do? And, you know, you have to be mature enough to also be that way to kind of say, hey, I realize I'm doing this, this, this. How can I do better? How can I make this relationship stronger? How can I make sure that, you know, we can really connect? You know, just some food for thought. Thank you so much for tuning into the K-Turn Podcast. Again, it is a pleasure and an honor having you all listen to me. Again, I am no expert. Um, again, I just want to give credit where credit is due. Um, I did find all my information via Your Tango, Psych Mechanics, the 5 com um psychmechanics as i said before livingly.com um and so sorry pulling up the last one here um, i just want to make sure i have the last correct one and um oh so sorry uh what is this last website <laughs> so sorry y'all and thevillagefamily.org all right thanks for pulling into the k turn taking a k turn out <laughs>